0: everyone welcome back to the Dr. Pat show you know um, I have been intrigued uh, for myself about uh, you know China as a, as a country, and in terms of uh, not only in terms of how it affects us here in the United States, but at the very recently I've had a couple of dear friends of mine. Uh, one of them is now living in China, decided to do that, and of course then Olivia Newton John, as you know, who is doing her her walk the, along the Great Wall in China to raise money for the uh, breast cancer research um, uh, facility in australia and so you know i think all of us have had an idea about what it what china is about what it's not we've created stories about it we've gotten some introduction through i think the pop culture to what we believe china is about but do we really know do we really have a sense? You know, we hear many, many things from our own news and our own um, uh, publications here when things go wrong. You know, we point to China when when food is not being uh, um, handled properly. And that's what we do. And that's what we get to know. And the flip side of that is we get to know about China from the perspective of what we read in novels and what we see in movies. And so I, I am being joined here today by Lloyd Lofthouse who's joining me here today and you know this show is about looking at China from many different ways as I said before you know Lloyd is the author of My Splendid Concubine and he has uh, something to say about China that I think will surprise you. Lloyd I want to thank you and welcome you to the Dr. Pat show.
1: Thank you for having me on your show Dr. Pat.
0: You know, we have, I believe, uh, probably more than any other country, I would say, we have so little information. And I think China remains a mystery to so many people. But certainly, when something goes on in China that doesn't look exactly up to our standards, we're very quick to point that out. But who does really know uh, the history of China and, and what they are about in today's culture?
1: Well, I think the character of my book is is focused on, Robert Hart, knew, and very few people do. It's been said that for every Robert Hart, there's 10,000 people that don't understand. And this story is about how he learned to love a country because of his love for a woman. But at the same time, if I take a quote from you, um, he had layers of quest from his own society and it got in his way so that he couldn't be as open as he could be. But still, he was a bridge between two cultures. He understood the Chinese, how they think, and what was so different about them. Um, and I think that uh, if I quote you exactly, what if the only thing we had to do is remove our layers of crust to answer that, the question, what would you do if you knew that you could not fail? Right. Well, we could, we could not fail with China if we understood them better if we understood them like Robert Hart did. And that's my goal in that novel, was to show the experiences he went through to bridge that gap. And and 54 years later, in 1909, because he arrived in 1854, he leaves China, not only knighted by Queen Victoria, he was a baron, and he arrives as a commoner. I mean, just a 19-year-old boy that's sort of embarrassed over some stuff he did when he was going to the University of Belfast. But he arrives, he leaves China, honored by the Vatican, a dozen other countries, knighted by Queen Victoria, and even he's even Chinese nobility. He achieved the highest rank ever for someone that wasn't Chinese in the history of China. And how do you think he did that? How do you think he achieved that?
0: Well, you know. Well, you know. For me, when I when I when I listen to this and I look at the journey, um, you know, one has to have both an open mind and an open heart.
1: Yes, and I think that's what he had. Mm He to quote you, he removed that crust that society laid on him, but he couldn't get rid of all of it because he did burn the journals because he kept journals Mm -hmm. throughout his whole life and. Most of them are published by Harvard University Press, and I went into those journals and his letters as part of my research. He burned three, the first three years he's, with this young concubine by the name of IU. that was his concubine. But later, 20 or 30 years later, he told a friend, she, you know, he was such a fool because she was such a sensible person. So you wonder, what the heck did he do? So he couldn't remove all those crusty layers that he had that got in his way, but enough. To achieve being a bridge between one culture and another, and I believe that he allowed China to stay free. It didn't become part of the British Empire. So there were people in Britain at the time that wanted to make China like India, another Raj. He was the man that believed that was wrong. And when he started to work for China and gained some some a reputation as someone you could trust, he managed to keep China free from the being swallowed by the British Empire and probably all the other European powers. Uh, Have you ever been to China?
0: I have not been to China, but I'll tell you, it was on a a list of of something I, I was to do this year. The timing didn't work out. Um, as a matter of fact, I was uh, so looking forward to um, taking that walk with Olivia Newton-John and other folks doing that. Uh, but that didn't work out because of a scheduling conflict. You know, for me um, and from what I get to know from the eyes and the ears of my friends that have gone there, uh, it, has been, it has brought both mystery, delight, and misunderstanding at the same time. And so the question I think that most of us um, sit with from time to time is, you know, this question of, if I don't know about you, then I will fear you. And uh, that's something that I think we bring forward. Let's call that part of the crust. When you can't really uh, sit down and understand the game plan for a country like China, how can you have your sense of freedom and, and remove the fear and the threat? And the question I think remains, you know, is China, is China really a threat?
1: No, I don't believe it is, except... It's a complicated issue. If we keep stepping on China's toes, see to the Chinese saving face means saving your dignity. it's extremely important. Yeah. And that's something that Robert Hart and my goal in the novel was to show how he learns about that. And a lot of Westerners see it as a way to manipulate the Chinese, to embarrass them and to, to, to making compromises they wouldn't like. Robert Hart understood that and he didn't allow that to crest his thinking when he was dealing with the Chinese. Now, to get a better idea, uh, than the, and this is also in the book, there, have you ever heard of the Taiping Rebellion? Uh, no. Okay, the Taiping Rebellion might, might have been the bloodiest conflict in history, but the historians for sure know it's a second. 20 to 90 million dead. Now. Um,
0: that, that number is staggering. I mean, that's worth saying it again.
1: Uh, but the Taiping Rebellion was led by a Christian convert who claimed to be the younger brother of Jesus Christ, and he even wrote his own version of the Bible. If I want to quote, I want to quote from C.N. Uh-huh. to Paul's book, Guns, Fails and Empires. Right. While Buddha came to China on white elephants, Christ was born on cannonballs. Because not only did the Taiping Rebellion, which was led by a Christian convert, he it went on for like 14 years, and Robert Hart arrives right in the middle of it. And this is featured in the novel, because he's involved in some of the conflict and the fighting. Um, But the Western powers forced China to allow Christian missionaries into China out of a gun barrel. Wow. They forced them to come in there so they could convert the Chinese. And now you have a society that has a philosophical belief older than Christianity. Going back 2,400 years, Confucianism and Taoism, the, the ideas of Laozi... And and these two different, the different ideas conflict each other, but also complement each other. Confucius uh, was born during a time of great turmoil in China. There was like a, a couple hundred nations, small feudal states fighting each other, and it was killing going on everywhere. And he wanted to solve that, and he felt the morality, a code of morality, could be used there. So he came up with five rules for the five great relationships, like the first one, between the ruler and the subject. And it's not a one-way street. The ruler has to do something to make life better for the subjects. Uh-huh. We think of that as making life better for the individual. But in China, it's for the whole country. If the individual does something to get in the way of that, then they're removed. That's why China, one of the things that we see as negative, but is very acceptable over there, is if somebody embarrasses China. bring You know, like uh, there's an elephant in the room. If yeah. we saw an elephant in our room, we'd all be talking about it. We'd probably be running, too. But in In China, the elephant metaphor is for drugs, prostitution, corruption, embarrassments, because uh, under uh, Confucius and Taoism, we believe in man's man's, um, link with nature. We don't ignore it. And uh, to quote uh, Robert Hart's servant in the novel, he says, "Um, In China, we believe that we have found the true meaning of life and understand it. For us, the end of life lies not in life after death, for the idea that we live to die as taught by Christianity is baffling and makes no sense. The true end, as we Chinese believe it, is the enjoyment of a simple life and in harmonious social relationships while we are alive. You know, and so he, he's learning from a servant. He's learning from his concubine. He's learning from his Chinese mm-hmm. language teacher. He learns from the people he meets in the tea houses and the bath houses. There's scenes throughout the novel where he keeps coming in contact with people, and he's so curious. This is a really unique individual, regardless of the crest that he carries over from Victorian England. And believe mm-hmm. me, there was quite a thick crest of uh-huh. the morality of Victorian England. But if we, can, if we compare Christian morality to Chinese morality, the Chinese are so much stricter. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, I think that right there, what you've just said, is perhaps one of the misunderstandings, one of the mysteries One of the things that we don't really know enough about. But there are guidelines and there are rules which govern, quote, the culture, so to speak. And yet, how do we get two, two parties to sit down, to go to the place of understanding rather than the place of criticism? Let's take a short break. When we return, we'll be talking to Lloyd about that and much more right here on The Dr. Pat Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. thought that I was the only one who cared about things that matter to me like the planet, kids, education, peace, and creating a world that works for everyone. Then I found the Center for Spiritual Living, an entire church that thinks and cares about the things I do. And Reverend Dr. Kathy Ann Lewis inspires us to build better lives and a better world. I've found my new
1: spiritual home. Honoring all paths to God, the Center for Spiritual Living is located just east of University Village on Sandpoint Way with three Sunday services. Visit online at spiritualliving.org. Master Stephen Co conducts miracles every day. His mission is to teach everyone how to do this for themselves. Stephen Coe is a master of the life force energy. Everyone is endowed by nature with a miraculous healing ability. Join Master Co and experience your own life force energy at East West Bookshop Wednesday, March twelfth at seven p.m. and at the Seattle Unity Church Thursday, March thirteenth at seven p.m. Details at yourhandscanhealyou.com. Hi, this is Glenn Brooks from the Vibrant Living Radio Network from terminal abnormalities to abundant realities how do we craft and design more abundance in our lives
0: and how do we allow For more possibilities, join me and my international team of contributors. Please join me in this exploration and become part of the Vibrant Living family Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Right here on Seattle's Alternative Talk, AM 1150,
1: KKNW. Your life's precious and giant. Find the tools and resources and discover a new way of axing those.
0: Do you or a loved one have chronic pain? ABC Health Solutions introduces FerroBlock, a fabric that relieves chronic pain with no side effects. FerroBlock's unique construction of micro-thin stainless steel and nylon interrupts EMFs, or high-frequency waves, from damaging our cells, causing inflammation and pain. Call 253-631-8270 or visit abchealthsolutions.biz to see a short video regarding FerroBlock. That's abchealthsolutions.biz. Can you work in harmony and prosper with the universe find out each week on the radio show cosmic connections with madeline brought to you by the dr pat show every friday at 10 a.m on kkw 1150 internationally known astrologer madeline gerwick brings you tips tools and answers to your questions check the show topics at polarisbusinessguides.com that's polarisbusinessguides.com tune in fridays at 10 a.m to cosmic connections with madeline so you can prosper with the universe From a place of special energy, the Sedona tools are specially crafted to work with the disruptive emotional energies of traumatic experience. You can release and resolve the past, move gracefully through the present, and attract the future you wish with power that's already yours. Your intent and creative visualization. Now work with the right tools. Visit thesedonatools.com. Going against the grain has never been so much fun. Alternative Talk,
1: 11.50 a.m.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and I want to direct you to Lloyd Lufthouse's website, which is mysplendidconcubine.com, mysplendidconcubine.com. And, you know, Lloyd, this is apparently a passion for you, and behind this is the question of can we truly understand China? Uh, is this something that's important for us to do? And I yes. would ask you that question.
1: Yes, I believe it is. I believe we have to remove our crust. I'm borrowing from you again because I think it's appropriate. We have to tear away these layers. Of, I mean, Americans seem so proud of understanding other ethnic groups in our own country. Our schools celebrate uh, Black History Month and Latino History Month, and, and, but then when because they're outside of our borders, we don't seem to care to understand I'm sure some people, some Americans do, but it seems like a lot don't. At least our government. Um, as an example, the spy plane incident, do you recall that?
0: Which, yeah. Where
1: the, the Chinese fighter pilot got too close yes. and the wing got nicked and he crashed and our, our spy right. plane. Yes.
0: And they took it and then they ended up doing a whole bunch of recon on it, and Right.
1: Yeah. yeah, and, and during and during the because our plane was basically along their border, it didn't mm-hmm. happen by ours. The Chinese saw that as an insult. Yeah. So when Bush said he was sorry, he only said it once. Now, saving face, saving your dignity, the Chinese felt he wasn't sincere. This, you do you know how much money this cost American workers? This- well.
0: Blunder by Bush? Well, I could only make a make make a guesstimate, but that would take me into a whole nother conversation um, about that. Uh, you know, what we don't know, and that beyond China, what we don't know about a culture, and the fact that we don't take time to learn about it, we can only count on making mistakes. For example, you, you know there are certain um, certain gestures that are extremely important. What you just talked about, saying uh, apologizing more than once as a, as a way to make a point, is important. Saving face comes in many many forms. You know we we hear that all the time, but it's really a complex human dynamic. Yeah,
1: Chinese culture is very. Uh, opposed it, it's very opposite of ours in many ways but at the same time we can learn so much from them you know i hear this thing about family values in the united states we got to get them back the politics use it during elections if you want to look at family values look at the chinese and asian family values when i while i was still in the classroom teaching i was aware of the statistics the lowest incident of contracting S T D std's that, the lowest incidence of drug use, the lowest incidence incidence of teen pregnancy, the highest college attendance, the highest high school graduation rate of all ethnic groups in America. It's because, and and when I would have a Chinese or Asian student in the room, my other ethnic students would say, oh, they're smart. And I would say, no, they're not smart. They just have, their family is different. It's organized differently. Everything, the the education Mm -hmm. of the child comes first. And Mm -hmm. part of that is Confucius. Confucius taught that education was paramount, mm-hmm. the most important thing. As a matter of fact, a scholar is more important, or was, I, I think that may be changing, because China's adapting to a lot of our Western ways to survive in this world, and that sort of scares me. <laughs> they, they might become more, this is where I talked about, it's a complex issue. China's learning from the West, and remember that that quote from that book, Christ thrived on a cannonball, and, and uh, Robert Hart even made the comment that by 2100, China will have recovered from all the opium wars. That was when the West forced China to legalize drugs for sale in China. About a 13-nation coalition went to war with China in the first opium war and second opium war, primarily France and England and Germany. And uh, it would be comparable to the drug cartels south of our border, dictating to America in a treaty that we had to legalize cocaine and sell it from storefronts. That happened in China in the 19th century. Robert Hart was there when it was happening, and as a matter of fact, the summer he meets IU, he goes to spend time at the house of one of the largest drug opium importers in China. And I use his real name in the book. I changed some names because I didn't, I didn't have enough knowledge uh-huh. to... to uh, the way I created their characters, I didn't have enough knowledge, and I didn't want to embarrass any, any family they had, so I changed the names of some characters. But I used his because it's clear that he was the principal importer for this major company. And I'm starting to digress. Um, before we run out of time, I'd like to mention one book that might also help, besides My Splendid Concubine. It's on my website. Is that okay? Yeah, please do. Okay, now, anyone can type My Splendid Concubine into Google. And if you misspell anything, that's okay. It'll straighten it out. And I'm almost, the website is almost always the first two hits. Just type out my splendid concubine. Don't worry about the spelling. Google's great at fixing things. And it's for sale on amazon.com and and also on barnesandnoble.com. And now Tom Carter has lived in China for a couple of years. He taught English there. He's a photojournalist and he has a website. And the link is on my website. I'm not going to go into great detail, but he's got a book coming out called China Portrait of a People. He may be the only Westerner, aside from Robert Hart, to travel to every province in China to document photojournalism, using photojournalism to document the people of China, the diversity of China. A lot of people may not understand that China is very similar to Europe. A lot of different languages, a lot of different people, but it was, it was unified by a really tough emperor, over 2,000 years ago. And so you you look at every single province has more than one language, more than one dialect. My wife speaks three. She's Chinese. She speaks three. So she can talk to everyone in her family. It's not uncommon in a household to have the grandmother and the grandfather talking two languages so their grandchildren have to learn both their languages to be able to talk to grandpa and grandma. Right. And uh, they have one written language because that emperor... When he took over China, said, we need one language, because they had all kinds of written languages. And, uh, of course, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, I was going to digress even more, but let's force myself to get back on topic here. Okay. Okay. Uh, If you go to China, there's two cities I'll recommend. Xi'an, that's the old capital of the emperor that unified China. And it's a beautiful city with an old medieval wall around it, the only one in China. That's where the terracotta warriors are. And then Shanghai, very fashionable city, about 18 million people in the metropolitan area and another 14 million in the suburbs. It's sort of mind-boggling when you think of the numbers. It makes New York feel like a village. (laughs)
0: Well, absolutely. And I don't think we have a sense of that, really. You, you see, I, I think that's part of the mystery that we're talking about. again, yeah, yeah. that's part of the misunderstanding, because I don't believe that, you know, we have a sense of it, and, and I think the question that comes up, Lloyd, is why should we pay attention?
1: Well, uh, China is on a on the way to returning to being the superpower they were for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. During the Han Dynasty, the Roman Empire was at its peak. Historians feel the Han Dynasty was even more powerful, and... Where Rome collapsed, the Chinese dynasties just changed place under the mandate of heaven when one ruler starts to mess up and not serve the people, not individuals. I want to focus on that. They're not into individuality. They're into everyone's well-being, not one person. And that's part of the mysticism. We're, sometimes when, they, when we call what we call violating someone's human right as an individual, they don't see that. They felt that we were violating human rights of our President Clinton when they blew up this thing with Monica Lewinsky. They said the man's private life has nothing to do with his ability to be a leader. How can, we, how, how can they accuse us of not having human rights here? when they do that to their own leader? And in China, they ignore the elephant in the room. Over here, we don't. So they don't always understand why we react the way we do. Mm-hmm. And that can be the place of conflict. If we remove the layers of crust and understand that we can accept them as our neighbor, as our friend, as our trading partner uh, by accepting their differences as something valuable and letting them learn our differences and then quit criticizing them so much out in the open. It should be done behind closed doors, and it should be done carefully, like you're walking on eggshells. It cost us billions of dollars over that spy plane incident. China wanted to build over 100 airports. They were going to buy the planes to fill them. They wanted America to contract it. And after the supply plane incident to punish us, they went to France and Germany. And billions of dollars that could have gone into American pockets mm -hmm. went to France and Germany.
0: Well, one of the things, Lloyd, we know is that like anything in the world, you know, we do have to take the time out to get to know our neighbors on this planet. Thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Thank you very much, Dr. Paddy. Really appreciate being on your show.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for taking this message out. Stay tuned, everyone. Kerry O'Connor coming right up.